Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast and a happy Super Bowl week to you, Vince. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. The Eagles are back in the Super Bowl. It's been a five-year hiatus, and I'm ready to watch Miles Sanders go off in this game. That's right. Yeah, our resident Penn Stater in the Super Bowl once again. So what kinds of stats are you going to be looking for from Miles? I want to see 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground and in the air. Ooh, all right. Yeah, so you're a little a little ambitious there. I was uh, thinking that 80 yards and a touchdown was like where I was where I was at with him because I think they're going to like spread the ball around a bit. They're going to give like Kenny Gainwell uh, some touches down near the goal line, considering how hot he's been and stuff, uh, which, you know, and my my line of thinking is that if we're distributing the ball to all these different running backs, then things are going very well for the Eagles. So that's, uh, you know, just another reason why I want this to happen. But yeah, I can't wait for the game. Yeah, uh, that's what I want to happen. If, whether it will happen or not, uh, that is to be determined. Um, I could see the game going different ways. I, I think that um, Jalen Hurts might be airing it out a lot because um, the Chiefs have two rookie corners. So you're going to have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith going against rookie corners. That could create some really good opportunities for them to really feast and uh, you know be in a little bit of a shootout. However, at the same time, I could see the Eagles wanting to run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field and keeping their defense rush fresh. That way they can rotate pass rushers and really not get tired throughout the game. So I could see it going that way uh, as well. And, um, you know, I saw a stat earlier that, you know, for Nick Sirianni, he had like the most rushing touchdowns uh, coached uh, without of um, like since like 2000 or something. So right. he had eight rushing touchdowns in this season more than like the past like five postseasons combined or something for the Eagles. So that was kind of a unique stat and didn't really think about it, but kind of with the way the the game played out, the Giants not really not being able to score and then the 49ers not being able to have a quarterback that could throw. Yeah. Um, it's kind of led to the Eagles running the ball. So I, I do think that some of it's because of that, but it will be interesting to see if you uh, see more of a rushing attack to keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field or if, uh, Jalen Hurts is and Coach Sierra are saying, "Hey, I don't care if we got to get fifty points. Like, let's go up and do it, and you know, put the right. ball through the air." And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. It, it, it like almost feels like I need to be pinched, and that I'm dreaming, like, because it, it feels like it was too easy to get there just uh, watching this year and this really this whole football season. But the Eagles have an opportunity to be one of three teams in NFL history to be 10 and one against teams, with winning records. And, you know, the other two, I think were the 2002 and 2003 new England Patriots. So wow. Eagles can really get into some elite competition. And, you know, everyone was saying like, Oh, how weak their schedule was and, and things of that nature. But, you know, beating winning teams, like the record speaks records, for they, itself. They have one, they have one loss against a winning team. And yep. uh, their other two losses were without quarterback Jalen hurts. So, right. you know, that just yeah. tells you everything you need to know about this team. And, uh, 
you know, with Patrick Mahomes nursing a high ankle sprain, those can take a while to, uh, you know, get to hundred percent. And I know he's definitely going to be better, but it'll be interesting to see if we can get some hits on him and get some sacks, uh, for some pressures. And he won't have that mobility that he typically has. And maybe that'll, that'll factor into this game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the Eagles pass rush is going to be one of the major points of this game. Either they're going to be the ones dictating the pace um, or they're not, you know, so uh, we'll see pretty early on, like how that battle is going to go. You know, I completely agree with you. Like it seems, you know, like it's been a dream just with the Eagles kind of cruising to the Super Bowl this year. Um, You know, that being said, I don't think the Eagles are going to be anywhere near short of bulletin board material going into this game because you got guys like Chris Sims running his mouth again. You've got Brandon Ayuk saying that the Eagles got lucky and that, uh, you know, the chiefs are going to expose them. You've got like, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey on, (laughs) on what, whatever show that was saying that the Eagles got extremely lucky and that he hopes that both teams lose. I mean, like, you know, it, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same from five years ago, no one likes us and we don't care. Exactly. Uh, you know, a team has to earn it and they have to win to get there. Uh, like when they won the Super Bowl in, in the 2017, 2018 season, it was the same thing. Alvin Kamara was like, oh, if we would have beat the Minnesota Vikings, like, oh, we would have totally beat the Eagles. And I was like, right. Well, dude, then you should have beat the Vikings and been the yeah. better team. Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, and you <laughs> just, you know, making a joke that, oh, we didn't have our quarterback. And it's like, well, you know, the Eagles didn't have that, have their quarterback against the Cowboys. They didn't have him against the Saints, and we lost the game. And who who is that on? That was on us because Jalen had to run a lot against the Bears, and he got injured. And, you know, that was just some shit we had to deal with. And, we right. again, we didn't take care of business. And you know, we're fortunate enough that we took care of business earlier in the season, and we were able to earn that number one seed and kind of rest him when he needed to be rested. And then he came back and took care of took care of business as usual, hasn't lost since. And, uh, you know, if they can beat the Pat Mahomes, who's probably going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time in NFL history, like, you know, you can stop with all these like Jalen Hurts haters, these Chris Sims. What a clown. I think Jalen Hurts has more uh, passing touchdowns in his first season as a starter than Chris Sims did his entire NFL career. Like, what a (laughs) joke. This guy is an absolute clown. Um, just, just underestimating him because he can run. And that is a perk that helps you so much in the game. That gives your teammates more time to get open. And, you know, if you play defensive back, you can guard someone three, four seconds, but you you get to that, you know, eight second range, like you're done. Like no one can guard for eight to 10 seconds. It's just not going to happen. So, um, seeing stuff like that. And I actually saw a reporter (laughs) who went to Jalen and he said, um, I did not think that the Eagles could make it to the Super Bowl with you as their quarterback. And he was like, oh, just man to man. I wanted to apologize to you. And Jalen was just like, all right, cool, dude. <laughs> like just a typical Jalen response, really not caring what anyone thinks. Yeah. And I, I just love his temperament as a, a quarterback. Oh, God. Yeah, the guy is so even keel. The media has been actually really weird leading up to this Super Bowl. Like, did you see how the one reporter asked Nick Sirianni if this is a must-win game. And yeah, I'm like, Sirianni, is this a must-win game? <laughs> yeah, and, Sir- and Sirianni was just like super deadpan. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a must-win game. This is the Super Bowl. Like, this is the must-winningest of must-win games. Like, like, what are you asking me? And then, yeah. um, don't know if it's uh, 
if it's if it was the same reporter or anything like that. But I saw this one funny Instagram post of like this like a captioned um, interaction between Sirianni and a reporter, and the reporter asked Sirianni like who on his football team would he let date his daughter? And Sirianni was like, my daughter is five years old. (laughs) So no, yeah, the, the media has been, um, you know, I think kind of reaching down into their bag as far as like what questions they want to ask. Cause I guess maybe they're bored with asking the like, Oh, like where do you think this, this game is going to be won and lost uh, type of stuff. So we have to, you know, get really, um, really deep into the, you know, who, who could we see our children with? questions i guess yeah and i i just see some of those dumb questions and i'm like man i, I could be a sports journalist nick sirianni should come on to our podcast we can ask dumb questions all day long yeah hell yeah I, i'd love to have sirianni here um you know dog <laughs> mentality uh that's, that's what i want the the nittany lions to possess and, and and the birds and uh you know sorry if you're not a philly guy and you're listening to this podcast right now but uh you know We're it is super bowl week if you're rooting for that team on the Western half of the state, like you had your time back in the nineties, that was your time. It it's time for the birds. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, trash talking and, and things of that nature um, do you, is like Juju Smith Schuster on some like hard drugs or something. Oh my God. He said yeah. the, the best cheesesteaks are not in Philadelphia. Like I, yeah. I bet you he haven't, hasn't even tried one in Philly. Uh, I mean, 100%. Like, all the jokes right after that were like, tell me you're not from Philly without saying you're not from Philly. Like, yeah. <laughs> the guy was just trying to be a troll. He's trying to, like, get under the get under people's skin. And I guess to his credit, he did exactly what he set out to do. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing, like, how this kind of talk comes from players who, you know, it's coming from players who are not the main reason why they're in the position that they are. Like, if this was, like, Patrick Mahomes or like Travis Kelsey or Chris Jones, like saying this, like it would be like, like, you know, people would probably like banter back and forth or whatever. But like with Juju, it's like, dude, come on. You're like the fourth option receiver on your own team. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a clown. He's uh he, he spends more time on his TikTok dances than he does uh, yeah. being a football player. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh yeah. And I mean, and uh, yeah. And then you also have like Julian love on uh, what was it? Like first take saying that anybody could coach the Eagles right now. It's just like the list goes on and on, man. Yeah. Be like, Oh yeah. Nick Sirianni can't do anything now. Like it, it obviously helps if you have all the talent that the Eagles roster does have, like they just struck a gold mine. Uh, I, I saw a stat and they said 10 of the Eagles, 11 starters were drafted by the team. And yeah. when you're hitting on your draft picks, that is uh, so key. And to be able to get everyone there healthy is, uh, you know, incredible. And everyone was making fun of Nick Sirianni's short practices or whatever, but here they are in the Super Bowl, and, you know, outside of a few guys that their team's healthy and that's, yep. that's huge. Uh, you know, not being beat up. The number one ability is availability. So Absolutely. The fact that they were able to get through the season, you know, a lot of luck is, is needed, like practicing for 30 minutes less, you know, that might help with the soft tissue injury, injury, like a hamstring or, or something like that, but it's not going to like determine whether you would tear an ACL or not. Um, so, you know, stuff like that just kind of freak happens and, um, you know, you can get unlucky, but you know, the Eagles uh, seem to have the, the formula down after being a team that has just had so many injuries, you know, in, For their, real. Up, in their other Super Bowl run and then years following. And it seemed like it would always happen 
at the same position, like the entire O-line would be injured or the entire defensive backs or wide receivers. And the list went on and on. Um, you know, but uh, speaking of the Eagles, good draft, uh, you know, drafting 10 out of their 11 players, it could have been 11 out of 11 if they would have just drafted Justin Jefferson over Jalen Rager. <laughs> like that right. would have been so cool to be like, oh, we drafted all 11 of these players. Like, yeah. Man, like what could have been, but um, yep. really happy to have AJ Brown. He he's earned every penny um, of that hundred million dollar contract he signed. So, amen. Um, you know, props to him, and I hope he has uh, you know, some big catches. Uh, who is your uh, favorite for Super Bowl MVP and dark horse? My favorite for Super Bowl MVP. I'm going I'm going to stick with the Eagles because I mean I have to be a homer in this situation like I just can't not. So I would say the favorite for me is Jalen just because I could see him like rushing for a couple and like throwing for a touchdown. So I think by those metrics he's going to be kind of the the obvious choice. Um if I had to pick a dark horse candidate I maybe I would go AJ Brown. Because I think that AJ has been kind of itching to have like the kind of game that he had against like the Steelers or the Titans this past season where he was just was just unstoppable. You know, he's like getting balls even in uh, double coverage and stuff like that. Just like absolutely magnet hand sort of stuff. So I could see him, you know, kind of being hungry to have a big game and like coming down with a couple of those big ones, uh, maybe going for like 150 and like two TDs or something like that to kind of give him um, a realistic shot of getting the uh, MVP as well. Kind of like, uh, cause it wasn't like Julian Edelman, the MVP for one of the Pat Super Bowls or something like that. Like, um, or, or kind of like, uh, um, Heinz Ward for the Steelers back in like 2006. Like I could see something like that happening as well. Yeah. So one dark horse that I heard on the Eagle Eye podcast was uh, Kenny Gainwell. And mm. the reporter was saying he was writing an article about uh, Miles Sanders being like the first 100 yard rusher for the Eagles and a playoff game since like Brian Westbrook, I believe. And it was funny because Miles ended up not getting there and then Gainwell did. And he just wow. like, deleted Miles Sanders and, and typed in Kenny Gainwell for his article. And crazy. that was a uh, really, really funny to, to see. So he's, he's kind of getting in a really nice groove at the right time when we need him to be good. So yeah, well. I saw something that was like Kenneth Gainwell is the Corey Clement of this Super Bowl run. And I thought that was uh, very true. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, if, if Foles doesn't, you know, make that Philly special play and, you know, have a couple of those key throws and maybe like the, the Eagles still win, but it works out a little differently. Like Clement could have been uh, that guy. Um, you know, you could have seen it uh, defensively. I do think uh, maybe Hassan Reddick, if he has a game like he did against the 49ers defensively, Agreed. if he can like force a strip sack, maybe like Brandon Graham did against uh, Tom Brady or, you know, force two turnovers or, get a couple sacks uh you know i think he, he'd be a good dark horse as well yeah i like that choice i think of the players on the defense like i think he's probably the most likely although one player i would love to get the super bowl mvp is jason kelsey like it'd be so fun to see like oh, oh man. yeah just get the recognition because he is so good probably the greatest center of all time like he he's he's just incredible to watch and i, right. I would love to see him 
get one. And this might be his last season. This might be his last game and opportunity that we get to watch him this Sunday. So, um, you know, hoping he, he gets out, goes out with a win. If he does retire, um, and if he doesn't great, I want to see him, uh, in Eagles green until he can't play no more. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Philly legend, NFL legend, like destined for Canton, like all those sorts of things. Yeah. Best, uh, Super Bowl victory speech of all time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cannot be topped. Wow. What do you, what would you think his speech would be like? <laughs> like he has to do another one. Do you think he could oh, one course. up it if the Eagles yeah. win again? <laughs> oh God. I, you know, I, I don't even know because I think for one thing, he can't go with the mummers outfit again. I think that like, that has to stick with the 2017 parade. Like, you know, that was just like that. No, thing. I, I think, I think he has to do it again or like, have he's going to go with the mummers I, again. I think like it's that's such a Philadelphia thing. The Mummers Parade is is like such a big deal. So I think that would be. Oh no, actually, I'm gonna take that back. I think he should do his speech and like a Batman mask and cape. How cool! Yes, would that be? yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. I'm 100 with you on that. Yeah, Batman mask, Batman cape, maybe the whole costume. I don't know, but if <laughs> if he does this again, like if knock on all the wood in my house, they win this game and he's like up there to do another speech. I would put an exorbitant amount of money down that he's going to do it in some kind of Batman garb. Yes. That that would be elite. And like what a mic drop to like end your career. If he ends up like retiring, going out with a victory speech in a Batman costume. Yeah. <laughs> one of a kind for sure. Uh, so one last thing on the Eagles. Did you see the video of Jonathan Gannon driving into uh, the link before the game against the 49ers did you see that video uh no i didn't catch that oh my god it's so awesome like i mean everybody and their mom has ripped jonathan gannon over the past like two years for one game or another or a series of play or whatever but this guy earned some major props for this moment before the game uh he is rolling up um because i mean it's like hours before the game so it's like you know the coaches and the players are getting there for like pre-game stuff or whatever and these guys were like hanging out and tailgating and i'm not gonna say his quote verbatim because it is a, a little explicit but he rolls down his window and he's like yelling like back and forth with these eagles fans and he yells we're gonna effing gut these guys and then just drives off like a total boss and like the eagles fans are going nuts like the clip has gone viral on social it's just so awesome i was like yeah man dude i just i just love the swag and like like i feel like the players really embrace the city of philadelphia and that like that's what you have to do like if you take on like philadelphia as an identity like you are going to like play possessed in any sport, whether it's, you know, football, basketball, hockey, like you name it, like you are going to go out there and compete your tail off and no one's going to be tougher than you. Cause it's just a, you know, a tough, hard nosed city. And I feel like PA is just kind of like that in general, like, you know, Penn state, I think, I think is like that too. It's yeah, it's a blue collar state. And, uh, it's a, it's a state that I think you could argue is, um, probably like the biggest sports, fandom of any state in the United States, because, you know, some of those, you know, states in the South, are like, Oh, we love football, whatever. And like in the Midwest, like, Oh, we like hockey. Well, in PA, we like everything. We love football, hockey, basketball, yeah. uh, wrestling, field hockey, lacrosse. Like if you're a sports junkie, like you most likely live in PA. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very, very good point. 
Who do you think is the most Philadelphia of the Eagles from like the past handful of seasons? Like who most represents Philadelphia for you? Oh, easy. Jason Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say him too. <laughs> I was also, I, like in my mind, I'm also uh, going to say um, Lane Johnson just because of like how much of a beast he is. Amazing. Uh, he hasn't given up a pressure since like before the pandemic. <laughs> like That's freaking wild. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely insane. I mean, if you want to go with like maybe the most Philly game of all time, um, might might be Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that's in, the most Philly in 2017, game. 2018. It's an underdog right. city for sure. Everyone counts us out yeah. and we're like, hey, F you. And then we're, we're ready to ball and compete. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, that's uh, Philly's always better as an underdog. I, I'm, I'm not liking that we're the favorite in the Super Bowl. That makes me a little on edge. But, uh, you know, right. Jalen Hurts doesn't care. He's just going to show up and. He's going to be him. So uh, do his thing. he'll, he'll yep. do his thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the rest while we're, ta- we're worrying about Mahomes getting healthier, Jalen's also going to get healthier too. We didn't see too much right. running. You saw it in a little bit at that 49ers game in the third quarter when they just needed that touchdown to get ahead three scores to really ice the game. And, and you knew from that point, the Eagles would win. Um, so I am hopeful that, uh, you know, the shoulder's better and he's able to take more contact and, and that won't, you know, create any issues. Um, if there's a time to take risk, though, you know, it's the second half of a soup roll. So absolutely. Yeah, yep. this is the time to go for it. And this is uh, time to bring home the Lombardi back to uh, Philadelphia. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm again going to knock on all the wood in my home uh, just to not, um, you know, create any bad juju here. So. Um, obviously go birds. Uh, so, you know, speaking of like underdog stories and this is going to be kind of a weird segue, but you know what I've been doing, um, ever since you sent me that Instagram reel of the guy playing the Top Gun Anthem rendition. Yeah. I've been Top Gun freaking crazy. So I watched the entire uh, second movie last night, which, by the way, just an absolutely phenomenal movie. Like, it's just as good as the first time, like when you saw it in theaters. And I mean, it's just like goosebumps. And then what I did after that was I watched all my favorite scenes from the first movie on YouTube. So, you know, I was watching like the opening scene and the final dogfight and stuff like that. Like, it's just such an awesome movie. And it got me thinking. And I want to hear your thoughts on this because I want to see if we're in alignment here. you know, I think I'm thinking to myself, who is the maverick of Penn State football throughout the years? Like, regardless of like decade, team, whatever. There is one guy on my mind that I thought epitomizes maverick for Penn State football. Who do you think? Uh, it I is? got it. I'm going to say Trace McSorley. Yes, it's Trace. It's 100% <laughs> Trace. Like a guy who's underestimated. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He goes out and he does crazy stuff and he gets the job done. Trace McSorley is the maverick of Penn State football. And then that got me thinking about another thing. Every maverick needs his goose. So if Trace McSorley is the maverick of Penn State football, who is the goose of Penn State football? I think it would have to be... I'm just because of this guy is, is when you think of goose, you think of someone who's reliable, right? Always has your back. Yeah. Like loyal. Uh-huh. Saquon Barkley. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I think he was my or second option. My the guy that I selected as goose in my mind was Mike Kosicki. Well, just because Kosicki, of the bromance okay. that they had. Yeah. With each other. Yeah. He is a, like a good safety blanket and stuff. And 
Now, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Saquon's more like Iceman, where he's just like the best. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe you he's know Iceman. The best is <laughs> there. He is. Yeah, <laughs> never I, I makes a mistake. Oskasiki has the height, and you know he was their, you know, security blanket. And that's what you need. Uh, you know, that's your goose. That's right. Yeah, talk to me, goose. It's uh, it's a way of life. <laughs> that that so. it is. That it is. <laughs> um. So. Um. Yeah, so you know, now that we're kind of in into Penn State football territory, uh, some news that came out recently was Penn State has had seven players invited to the NFL Combine. There was four on offense with Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, Brenton Strange, and center Bruce, uh, Juice Scruggs, and three on defense with Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, and PJ Mustafer. So a bit of a headline that came out was that Sean Clifford was not invited to the NFL Combine. Do you think that's fair or unfair? Um, I, I think that it, that is a tough one to answer because we don't have the, the list in front of us of the quarterbacks who went in over them. Yeah. Like if, if like Aiden McConnell went in over him, I'd be like, uh, like maybe, but I, I think, I, I think he kind of got gypped a little bit. If you see some of Clifford's best games, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's a guy who can potentially be, uh, you know, a third, a third string quarterback and he can break down film for you. And, and help break down things. He's seen a lot of football, really experienced, and to be able to get that, you know, as maybe like a seventh round or undrafted guy, and have a guy with that much experience and not have to pay them a lot of money, that could be a be, be a valuable asset to an NFL roster. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. I was a little surprised just because, like, a guy of his like accomplishments, like say whatever you will about like some of his ups and downs over the course of his Penn State career, but the guy owns basically every record that a college quarterback can have at Penn state. So those are the kinds of guys that usually get invites as a quarterback to the combine. So, you know, it was a little, a little off, but um, you know, I'm sure he's still riding high from the Rose bowl. So, you know, I'm sure he's going to just kind of lick his chops and be like, all right, time to get back to work. Yeah. So anyway, the combine, it's all about 40 times. That's all that matters. Do you think that my, uh, my five, six, seven can beat anybody? Possibly PJ Mustafer. <laughs> I think like, yeah, I, guys... I was looking at names. I yeah. was like, maybe the line will be a little slower than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, like out of the gates, I think uh, like PJ, PJ's got, you know, like good speed going from, you know, like zero yards, to, like 10 yards, you know, cause he's, he's going in a straight line trying to get after the quarterback. So I think you two would be like pretty evenly matched out of the gates, but I think, you know, once you pass like maybe that like 20 yard mark, you're going to like start to like, you know, kind of pull away a little bit. So I'll give you the edge over PJ. Yeah. And uh, I think you, I think you beat Juice Scruggs as well. Okay. So I can beat Juice and PJ. We'll, we'll see. Um, however, when I did that, that was in like sneakers, you know, I wasn't fully warmed up. Oh, actually I got, I got a decent amount of warm up, but that's, that's like sneakers on a grass surface when they have cleats and cleats make a huge difference. Uh, I have run a five, two on a basketball court. Um, so five, two is my PR. Yeah. So with the, with five, two, I think you comfortably beat both of those players. Um, you know, but I think against, uh, all the rest of the guys, I think you're pretty much toast. No offense. <laughs> yeah, I, I will get toasted, but I do think I could beat all of them in, in a mile. I ran a four twenty eight mile this past weekend. Nice. Uh, you know, at the last Penn State track meet. So still can run a sub 430 mile. Pretty happy about that. Good stuff, uh, not, my, not my PR from college, but pretty, pretty close. Uh, so uh, I think I can take them all in a mile. 
<laughs> Very good. Yeah, I would agree with you there. So speaking of substantial milestones or the inability to hit them, have you seen the news about Brian Ferentz's new contract at Iowa? I have not. Tell me the uh, details. <laughs> What's the deeds? Dude, this is it's hilarious. So uh, Brian Ferentz is the son of Kirk Ferentz, the offensive coordinator of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was like just a week ago, I forget, but um, a new contract update was announced for him and it included the following updates. So first of all, he's going to make about $50,000 less uh, in 2023 versus uh, 2022, but there's certain performance-based um, incentives that he would like get bonuses for. And, but here's the kicker. Here are the like key performance indicators of Brian Ferentz's, uh, like coaching at Iowa in 2023. So he must average 25 points a game, which <laughs> just to put this into perspective, if they were to have averaged 25 points a game in 2022, that still only would have landed them at about 85th in all of like FBS college football. So that's not even like that amazing. So they're asking <laughs> him and like, and this can also include like, uh, scoring by the defense too. So if they get like a pick six or like a fumble recovery for a touchdown, that still counts for him. But he's still <laughs> so he's going to be held accountable for twenty five points a game, and they have to win at least seven games in twenty twenty three of their twelve game regular season. So uh, first reaction, quick question to you: Do you think he hits these? Uh I'll say yes. But I think, he hits, I think he hits the seven games, but I don't think he hits 25 points a game. Because <laughs> I well, think... see the thing is the thing that put me there is the defense scoring points. Like they'll yeah. average that if the defense counts. Like that was like half of their offense. And you don't think you can't think they're gonna be as abysmally bad as they have been. And you think Cade McNamara coming in will make them a little better. So I think they can make marginal improvement to get to that 25 points mark and you know, let's be honest, if they're playing like, you know, some of their cupcakes, like they might have like, you know, 40 some points there and that can help balance the scales when they're scoring like maybe 17 against a Michigan, You're, for yeah. example. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, what I will say, though, is I think that they're going to be closer to zero points than they are 25 when they come to Happy Valley next season. Um, Beaver Stadium, they're in single digits. They're they're not going <laughs> to double digits. Hell yeah. Uh, so, um what else, man? I mean, obviously, uh, we watched, um, well, you watched live. I watched on TV a pretty rough ending to the Penn State-Wisconsin game. Uh, Penn State fell in overtime after um, some heroics to tie the game up uh, with a three-pointer in the closing seconds and stuff like that. So tell us what you saw. Yeah, I saw a, a team that uh, really had a lot of fight, but just seems to make uh you know critical errors at critical times when it matters the most um you know really you would you'd hope to keep wisconsin to less than 46 percent shooting from beyond the arc at home uh so they lost the uh three-point battle and they, they shot pretty well they shot around 39 percent, which is right around their season average so they did they did pretty good there but um yeah it just wasn't enough and I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm not going to be eating a Shrewsburger. 
by the end of the season. Uh, I'm at the uh, point yeah. where I've kind of this loss was the final nail in the coffin for me. I, I don't think they they're going to have enough to get back into the NCAA tournament. And I feel like it's almost a shame to uh, waste this last year we have with Jalen Pickett uh, and how good he is. Uh, a guy of his caliber deserves to have his talent shown in the NCAA tournament. And he does so much for this team. Uh, really incredible. He, he had a bit of an off night. Uh, you know, I thought uh, the Badgers kept him intact pretty good. And Wisconsin's a, a pretty good defensive team as a whole. Um, but, you know, pick was only one of five from three and eight of 19 from the field. Still a good stat line, like 17 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Like, I feel like he, I say he has an off game, but then the stat sheets like, oh, those are all good numbers. Right. Um, you know, but, you know, he fouled out and something that amazes me. Um, and I know we've talked a lot about um, officiating and Coach Shrews, um was laying into the officials uh, on a one no call, I believe. I forget what uh, happened because it was last night, but um out right after that, the officials called like four fouls in a row on Wisconsin. Oh, and like wow. we, could, we could finally get to, to the free throw line. Um, but I have to ask you this. Uh, how does Jalen Pickett, with how good he is and how aggressive he is at attacking the basket, how does he never make it to the free throw line? I don't know, man. It's a major, major mystery. Like, I, you know, I think it's like one of those things where a player is just very aggressive, like almost to the point where referees get like desensitized to it so they just kind of feel like he doesn't need to get all the calls if that makes sense like it kind of like you know how like cam newton uh back when he was like running a bunch for the panthers was like asking to get calls but they like wouldn't give him the calls because he's like a bigger guy like you know that sort of mentality i think it's almost like kind of similar to that in a way but i mean it's just the only other way to think about it is just it's just bad officiating yeah, and I, I thought for the most part they did a pretty good job in this game. Uh, one thing I, I still cannot figure out is how Penn State gets called for so many offensive fouls. Like we had, they really do four offensive fouls for moving screens. Like I think in all my basketball career, like seventh grade basketball up to like you know sophomore year when I played, I think in those like four years that I played basketball, I don't think we had four moving screens in that entire course of that four seasons. And here it was in like one game, like, um, you know, when you're setting a screen, you know, pretty much the role is you need to establish your position and not be moving, you know, as the defender comes into you. So I don't know if it's the ball handler doesn't set it up right because part of setting a good screen is the, the person with the ball, or, you know, the person who's making a cut and trying to get open, they have to like almost cut in a way that runs the defender into you or dribble in a way that makes the defender go into them because that person setting the screen really can't move. So I don't know if it's that or it's just people sliding their feet or poor officiating where they're not calling it both ways, you know, particularly well. Like I, I do know Wisconsin had one in the game, but Penn State had four and that's just an unusual thing. And this was not the only game. Like they've struggled with moving screens all year. And it's something that's uh, really perplexed me that um, coach Truce hasn't gotten, well, maybe he has gotten into the film and the guys just aren't doing it, but I'm mm-hmm. really surprised. It's something that has not been fixed yet at this point in the season, especially when you have games like this, two games against Wisconsin 
um, where it's come down to the wire and, and plays like that matter and possessions like that matter. Right. Would you, I mean, obviously you're closer to the individual performances and stuff like that. Are a lot of these mistakes being made by like more inexperienced players or is this like veteran guys where it's like, come on, dude, you should really know not to do this by now. Yeah, I think, I think it's a mix. Uh, I I will say probably most of the time in the season, it's, it's usually a guy like Keba who's a freshman and um, you know, just is moving a little too much. And uh, you know, there's times where, I, I think last night Andrew Funk had one and, you know, he's a really good player. Um, and then there's times where, you know, I've seen, you know, pick, uh, you know, create some contact and he's not getting a foul. Same with Funk. Um, he, he seemed to get double teamed, but I thought he got pushed by the one guy and, you know, thought it warranted a foul. And you saw Seth Lundy get frustrated and he almost lost the ball and, you know, was going to the officials that his arm was getting whacked. And, you know, uh, he, you could tell he was getting frustrated and then uh, he's a guy who's, emotionally very even keel so to see him get frustrated uh you know kind of speaks out to that a little bit but you know mm-hmm. this is the big tent and this is a uh, big boy basketball you, you got to find a way to win yeah so i guess speaking of winning uh penn state obviously hasn't been doing that a lot lately um they only have a couple of chances left to do it um what do you think their chances are going into this final stretch of the of the season because they have a couple of tough opponents coming up yeah, and I, I thought I was very confident that they would take care of business against the Badgers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they just didn't take advantage. They uh, they got uh, Stephen Crowell, who was uh, Wisconsin center in foul trouble. And they had six minutes late in the first half where they could have went on a run. And, you know, credit to Wisconsin, they didn't. They almost uh, expanded their lead a little bit or, or didn't lose any of it. And Penn State just couldn't get on a run. Uh, really, really... Uh, I didn't have too many positives to take away from this. Uh, you know, Funk had a little bit of an off night. He was only two of seven. Lundy had a really good night, five of nine. Uh, he's been on fire lately these past few weeks. Um, just knocking down threes like a man possessed. I think he's been 50% for the past like four games. And you know, we need everyone to get on Seth Lundy's level. Like, like he's he's hitting really good right now. Uh, Mikey Han was doing all right with his minutes. Uh, I was pretty impressed with uh, Kabajai. I think defensively, he's getting into a really nice groove right now. And uh, he's also rebounding well. Uh, now, this is his second game in a row where he's had over five rebounds. Offensively, he was two, three from the field. So we're getting him involved a little bit more offensively. It seemed like earlier in the season, uh, they were just whipping passes at him just way too fast that he couldn't catch it. And you know, he's catching now. And then when a, a guy his size is that close, uh, relatively in, easy to finish at the basket. So I saw a nice improvement from him. Uh, Kanye Clary had an okay game. Miles Dredd uh, had a much better game than against Nebraska. He went, I think, 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 against Nebraska. He was 2 of 2 tonight. Uh, made some nice contributions. So, uh, you know, there, there were some good things. It was a hard-fought game. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're at home you got to win your home ones. And th- right. you know, this is a team where, um, you know, coach Drew says we're gritty, not pretty. I really haven't seen that the, the past few weeks, especially I've been really disappointed in the defense. Like if you shut Wisconsin down for four minutes and go on a 10 0 run, they're not coming back from 10. They're, they're not a team that can do that. Um, you know, credit to Penn state. They were down the, the, the whole game and, 
and they fought back and they, they got the score to uh 62 59. They got a three point lead, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you had, uh, uh, Chucky Hepburn making some big threes at the end of the game with, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Testing shots. He was, he was on fire. He was, yeah. uh, you know, five and nine over 50% Connor Seijin four of seven. Um, they were on fire from three, uh, Tyler wall had a huge game. He didn't do too much in their first matchup, but he was six of 10, you know, 16, six rebounds, eight assists. He had a really good game. Uh, Steven Crowell didn't do as much as much as he did in the first matchup, but he was five of five. He didn't miss a single shot. Like, Every time he was in the post with Kappa, you just knew he would do a nice jump hook or a nice drop step, spin move to you know put up a good shot, and uh, you know nothing we could really do to stop him. So, you know, definitely a uh, a frustrating night. Uh, kind of the big positive I saw, if I was going to take away one positive, was Cam Winter finally looked like himself. He had like a two or three week stretch where he just like didn't score a point, and he was shooting a lot of threes and. And they weren't sinking like they typically do. And and he's a guy that, you know, he was a four-time MVP at Drexel. Like, he's a really good basketball player. Mm, uh, right. He's a guy who should be having 15, 16 points a game. And, you know, tonight he had 15 points, was 7 of 13 from the field, uh, got to the free throw line. So, just some really nice things. Had a steal on defense. Uh, speaking of good defense, Seth Lonnie, three steals and a block. Um, he plays his tail off on, on both ends. Really Really fun to watch him. Uh, if he's playing college basketball next year, I, I pray he stays at Penn State because uh, you know rebuilding is going to be really tough if you do not have a guy like Seth Lundy on your roster, especially when they're surrounded by all of these seniors. So, you know that was one positive I took away. But at the end of the day, um, you know Penn State was the number one team in scoring defense last year. Um, however, I can't imagine they're, they're close to that in, in this case. Like I haven't looked at the exact stat, but there's no way Penn state's the number one be- defense in the big 10. Right. Yeah. I guess, you know, that's just, uh, how the cookie crumbles sometimes, uh, can't, can't win them all. And, uh, especially can't, you know, beat like Rutgers, Purdue and Wisconsin <laughs> stuff apparently. So, uh, yeah. yeah and, tough, uh, tough look. Yeah. And Penn state, they're going to have a, uh, you know, a really tough sledding in these uh, next couple of weeks. Uh, not many easy games. And, uh, you know, some, another mystery I have is why Evan Mahaffey isn't playing more. He had some really good minutes uh, earlier in the season. In the past few weeks, he hasn't been playing as much. I'd like to see some more Evan Mahaffey on the floor. Um, his athleticism and ability to really guard all five positions is really critical, in my opinion. So I think that, you know, when we do need some defensive stops, we need to see him on the floor more. So. He's a guy I like to see getting more minutes in the rotation. However, uh, you know, this weekend we're going to Maryland, uh, pretty good basketball school. Valentine's Day, Illinois is coming back. They're going to be out for blood. They're playing really well right now. Um, that, Are that's they be tough. Ma- is Illinois ranked? Uh, I do, do not know if they made it up there or not. Let me check here. Okay. Um, as of now, they are not ranked. Okay. So... Yeah, the Big Ten, only Indiana, Purdue, and Rutgers are ranked, I believe. So, yeah, um, you know, the Big Ten hasn't been getting quite the credit I think it deserves in the, in the pools. I do th- think the Big 12 is definitely the, the best basketball conference. But, um, you know, I, I think the uh, the Big Ten could be a, a close second. But, you know, this is the schedule we got coming up. Maryland, Illinois, 
Uh, I'm thinking both those games are going to be losses where I see them. And then we have, we're going back to the road where Penn State has not played well all year. They have one road win in the Big Ten. Uh, And then we're going to Minnesota. And then we're at Ohio State. Ohio State's been kind of down this year. Um, They're kind of in that tier where Penn State is. And then we get Rutgers at home, who's number 24 in the country. Then we go on the road to Northwestern, who's having a really great season. They're 17 and seven. And then we finish up with Maryland at home. So uh, really tough sledding. And you got to think that Penn State needs to get 20 wins to really make it to the NCAA tournament. And they're running out of real estate. They've won 14 games and they only have uh, seven left. So I, I don't so see them. They almost have to win out. Yeah, they almost have to win out, in my opinion, to to make the Big Ten or not the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. Uh, right. You know, I think maybe if they let's say they're at like 18 or 19 wins and then they win two games in the tournament to get to 20. I do think you might potentially see them moving up. However, if you're finishing like 11 where they are right now and you're playing here, you're, you're at the bottom, like the Big Ten's probably going to get seven teams that go. So they, right. they gotta be in that top half or they're not going. That's just right. the end of the line. They, they gotta, they gotta play gritty, not pretty. Uh, they, they gotta be tougher. They gotta close out games and, and find ways to win. So, you know, obviously, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day and the 20 win season was not won in a single game. So they have another chance to kind of right the ship, uh, with this trip to Maryland. As you said, it's likely going to be a tough, tough outing. Uh, Maryland historically is pretty good at basketball. So how do you like the Nittany Lions chances going into College Park? So I don't hate the matchup. So one thing I, I do like is that Maryland is not a great three-point shooting team overall in the season. They've shot 30.2%. So that's below your your college average. So now that's something where I'm positive. Uh, however, uh, dribble penetration, I think could be an issue. Um, they really struggled with that against Nebraska, just letting guys, you know, get into the post, uh, relatively easy. Same thing with like Purdue. Um, the, the defense hasn't been great. And, uh, they got a guy, uh, Jameer young, really good player averages, uh, 16 points a game. He can really get to the paint. So that's the strength of his, his game. The Terrapins also, you know, uh, their leaders are senior leaders, so they got a lot of experience, like just like we do. And uh, Akeem Hart's really good. Um, another guy they have is Dante Scott. He scores 12 points a game. And then you have a uh, sophomore, Julian Reese, uh, you know, 6'8", really good player uh, from Baltimore. So, yeah, they got a lot of good players around that 6'8", 6'9", range. Um Nice thing, we're not going to be seeing an elite center. So we're not going to be seeing a uh, Stephen Crowell. Uh, we're not going to be seeing a Zach Eady or a Hunter Dickinson. So I think that will play into Penn State's advantage where they don't have a, a really dominant big man. But they do have a lot of size, a lot of guys that are 6'8", 6'9". And uh, you know, it, it'll be a challenge for Penn State to score. Uh, Maryland is one of those teams where they've really struggled on the road and been, and, and been good at home. So... Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game for the Lions uh, as they go into College Park. Good stuff. So obviously a lot of size to contend with. Um, 
what would you say is your communion prediction for this game? So obviously they've had some some a tough stretch of basketball recently, you know, not playing their best, not playing their best defense. Do you see this turning around uh, with your communion prediction or what else you got? Yeah, uh, my communion prediction is that Cam Winter has another big game. Uh, you, you saw Coach Shrewsbury after Cam slump move him to the bench and have him come in off of the bench. And this game, he finally got his starting job back and he acted like he earned it back. He had 15 points, 7 to 13 shooting. So my communion prediction is that Cam, he's going to score in double figures, have at least five rebounds and five assists. Nice. How about you? What are you feeling? I'm feeling, man, I'm going to be ambitious here. I'm going to say uh, five threes from Seth Lundy. That's my five threes. Communion. Yeah. Yeah. He's just going to be a monster. <laughs> yeah, really incredible. And it's a, it's almost that Nebraska game just drove me crazy. Um, the, yeah, I know. You know the, the horse defense. Uh, you know, I just went off on, on the last pot. I was so frustrated with their defensive yeah. performance. Like, you know, the total amounts, amount of points they gave up wasn't that bad, but just the way it scored. And it was like a six, two guy, like my size, just like cutting to the basket and going for a lamp. I'm like, why isn't like, you have to guard him like, yeah, he's a great right. three point shooter, but you can't give up layup easy. Give me layups in college basketball like that. That more than anything will drive a coach insane. And I cannot believe that Penn State did not do better in that situation. Now, how and Seth Lundy scored a, a program record eight threes in that game. Like he was lights out and they right. still got killed. Like, yeah. Really, really frustrating. And I hope they can get their act together. Um, you know, because they saw all these T-shirts at the beginning of the year that said gritty, not pretty. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we're playing a little pretty right now. And we got to get grittier to uh, to get mm -hmm. over the top. So, yeah. Um, before we get into final score predictions, do you have a bird brawler for the Wisconsin game? We we kind of skipped over the awards. Uh, so who do you think deserves <laughs> that bird brawler? Oh, I, you know, I, given how sloppy the ending was, um, it's and uh, it's tough. Um, I'm. I'm going to give it to Seth Lundy, though, just because, you know, it looked like he was hurting a bit at the end of the game. Um, still was, you know, the guy responsible for getting them to overtime. So just a guy who, like, knew the assignment, went out and executed. So that's why he gets the award for me. Yeah, and I think he definitely fights through adversity. Um, I feel like he's a guy who's who's been getting called for a lot of ticky-tack fouls this year where there wasn't real significant contact, but he seems to get called for it sometimes and sometimes gets in foul trouble. Um, so you think with how good of a defender he is, he would get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Um, but my guy it, the, for the Valley fighter, it has to be uh, Cam Winter. It was just really nice to see him uh, come out of that slump. And, you know, he had the highest shooting percentage on the team going seven of 13 from the field. So really great to see him back and looking to his normal self. And, uh, you know, the Mahoney Mahler, I think I'm actually going to give that to Kebajai. I was mm. really impressed with his defensive performance. He's been doing a nice job the past couple of weeks fighting for rebounds. You've seen him diving on the floor. Love the hassle from Keba. Um, you know, he's seems to be taking better care of the ball. You have, I don't think I've seen him getting moving screen calls as much and things of that nature. He's catching the ball and, and getting good looks in the post and he's making the most of his opportunities. So going to give stuff. that a third award to uh, Keba Jai. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking, uh, and what he's been doing. And, uh, you know, you might be seeing him uh, potentially making his way back into the starting lineup. Uh, I think uh, 
that Mikey Hen hasn't done anything to lose that starting job. And I do think they should be splitting minutes relatively evenly, maybe 20 minutes a game for both of them, roughly. Because mm-hmm. uh, Mikey, Mikey does a really good job of just playing quickly, and he knows where the offense is going before it goes there and makes some really nice passes. That's something that's really underrated, I think, in his game. Uh, he can shoot well, so that helps stretch the floor, and that's really good for the team. And and he's a really physical defender. Like There were times where I saw some centers who were much larger than him, and he almost like gets his body low enough and his chest just like absorbs the contact almost like an offensive lineman in football. And he's able to like hold his ground like he's in pass pass protection. So uh really impressive uh you know from that standpoint. And then Keba, I think you know, having him going against the other team's second string guy is a is a really good strategy to help build the confidence. And he's a really good defensive player. And then when he doesn't have that elite talent guarding him, but the other team's second string, I think it makes it easier for him to uh finish at the basket. Keba is uh freshman right yeah he is a freshman this year and it's kind of their uh their prize jewel in this uh Mm -hmm. recruiting class four-star guy and you know i remember like he got like a standing ovation at uh the bjc when he came to watch the nebraska game when he was in high school so like everyone was so excited to have him and wow he got a very warm welcome Uh, that's cool yeah so obviously i mean hopefully you know I think Shrewsbury is the guy to continue recruiting at that high level. Um, you know, given some of the guys that they've even uh, signed in their most recent class. So, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, Keba can kind of be like the foundation for continued recruiting success. But uh, nevertheless, um, what do you got for final score? So do you think that the Lions come out on top in this contest? Um, I do not just because I, I, the last time they've won a big 10 road game has been December. Like it was mm-hmm. 2022. So right until they, they start playing better on the road, uh, you know, three point shooting, they haven't been shooting as well. And then the defense really hasn't been there. Like I know Charlie's been saying defense travels, but Penn state's defense has not traveled, mm-hmm. uh, has not traveled well at all. So um, I'm going to say Maryland 81 Penn state 65. I think this will be, Wow. Bit of an uglier game. Um, I think it's more pessimism just from the the past couple weeks. And, you know, seeing uh, them lose this game makes me think that they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. I hope I'm wrong and they, they, they turn it together, but uh, you know, Penn state hasn't won in February. And uh, I, I think you might not see them win until after Valentine's day. Ouch. (laughs) Well, you know, I think that, pessimism is well-founded uh i also think that the nittany lions are going to lose i think that this is going to be another classic like penn state heartbreaker like they're gonna get like within single digits but it's just not going to be meant to be so i'm taking maryland 78 penn state 72 yeah and uh i can see it going that way as well uh penn state i think college park has been one of the places they've struggled uh i just feel like we never win when we go there Right. So, um, you know, whenever I'm watching the game, it, it just never seems to work out when we go there. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe, maybe our fortunes will turn and maybe Maryland will be really cold from three and maybe Kebba will do a really good job protecting the rim. Uh, and Penn State will do, uh, go get back to that gritty defense. They could turn the corner. Uh, the talent is definitely there. Like, um, with the, like, I haven't really seen them play against these teams and be like, wow, the other team just is more talented than them. Like 
outside of Purdue, maybe like, mm-hmm. you know, Zach Eady is just so good. Uh, you know, and then Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer really good from three. And, you know, Mason Willis had a, you know, had that huge game. Uh, however, Penn state, their defense, they've, they've been making some of these role players look like superstars. And right. I think Tyler wall was kind of that guy last night where, you know, 16 points from him. That's probably double his average. Mm-hmm. I, I would, if I had to guess. So, um, yeah, it's Penn State. They they, they got to do a better job defensively. So when they start doing that, I, I think you'll see my predictions going the other way. But um, for now, I'm going to uh, chalk it up as a Penn State loss. Yep. Fair enough, man. So let's lift the spirits a little bit. We're talking Lifting about the spirits. You know, yeah. Positivity. So we're, we're talking about, you know, a Penn State team that has been a little bit down, you know, recently, just uh, kind of hitting a losing streak and stuff, going up against uh, good opponents. But nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, leaving the Nittany Lions with a couple of L's on the uh, record sheet. So let's talk about Penn State teams that are winning. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start with uh, volleyball, or do you want to start with wrestling? Oh, it has to be wrestling. No one oh, yeah. can stop them. They're just the <laughs> the unstoppable juggernaut. Like, yep. just uh, days after beating in Iowa, they they crush Indiana. Like, yeah, another and Ohio team. State. And yeah. Ohio State. Oh, yeah, it was Ohio State, then Indiana, right after playing <laughs> Iowa. They, they they beat someone else after Iowa. I think it was, was that Indiana, Michigan State? I think it was. Okay, okay, maybe I'm yeah. just getting my weekends mixed up. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if I get my, my weekends mixed up. They yeah. Penn State can play any team any day in yep. wrestling, and they will not lose. They're just too good. I mean, it's insane to think, like, within the span of just a couple weeks, they wrestled – number three, Michigan, number two, Iowa, and number five, Ohio State, and beat all of them relatively handily. Like, it's just insane to think about just how dominant they are right now. I mean, and what's scary to even think about is that if they had a couple of their um, later weight classes short up a little bit, like, they, they could be even better. So, you know, I think this is just another, like, feather in the cap of Kale Sanderson and, you know, just what's going to be, a, like, a for sure hall of fame career as a college wrestler and college wrestling coach. I mean, just like, you can't say enough things about it. It's just, it's unprecedented. Yeah. And I, I think uh, if I was Franklin, I would be trying to uh, try to figure out what's in his secret sauce to the continued success, because when you're at the top, it's hard to stay at the top. Everyone else is trying to, to knock you off. So it's true. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, how to get there. I, I think if uh, coach Franklin could take some lessons from him and, Mm-hmm. You know, even I think Michael Shrewsbury could, uh, you know, take something away from that. Uh, they're both doing a really good job, but you know, Penn state, uh, you know, for, for our sports teams, like I think we're the most passionate fans and we have, you know, these lofty expectations, whereas I know some fan bases, no, you know, Vince, we have lofty expectations. Say it doesn't. So, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> if you're like an Indiana football, you're happy with an eight and four season. If you're a Penn state <laughs> fan, you're miserable. So right. it's, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, wrestling, uh, sharing their secrets and things they do, I think, uh, you know, they can transfer and cross yeah. over. So that'll be interesting. Right. I'm actually going to, they do have a couple matches this weekend. They have a week one Friday, they're at Rutgers and they're coming home Super Bowl Sunday to face off against the Terrapins and wrestling. So I predict they'll win that game. <laughs> I'll say, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll say 34 to seven. 
I'll I'll have us over Maryland for wrestling. Right. That'll be my my yeah. communion predict or my score prediction for that game. Nice. So I will yeah. have us beating Maryland in one sport this weekend. Right. But then the following right. weekend, uh, before the Big Ten uh, championships, uh, they play against Clarion, and I actually bought tickets for that. Uh, I'm going with our nice. friend Parker down to see that game. So or that match, Sweet. I guess. So yeah. that'll be a good time. And uh, um, Maggie did mention something. All, all of my sports teams have been losing. Uh, like all the Philly teams, like a lot of the Penn State teams, I was joking. Hey, my, I haven't had a team win since like a week ago, and she's like, "Oh, we're, you're getting all this losing out of the way, and then the Eagles yeah. are going to win the Super Bowl, and yeah, exactly. you're going to be happy." Yeah. So like, it's yeah. all, it's like, it's almost like that Thanos thing—a soul for a soul. It's like, would you have everyone lose this next week for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl? And I, I would say yes. So, yes, like one hundred percent. Yes, yeah, it's got to be perfectly balanced. So I'm also, viewing all these losses as a uh, evening the scales towards a an Eagle Super Bowl victory, right? And what's also working in our favor is that by some force of like universal power, Penn State football and the Eagles are weirdly linked in the sense that like. You know, they're the same team in certain aspects, uh, at least as far as like their season trajectories, because, um, yeah, like what happened to Penn State football right before the Eagles won their first Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, they, you know, they had a 10 win season and then they went and won, uh, won the uh, Fiesta Bowl. So, you know, Penn State, another 10 win season goes and wins the Rose Bowl. Um, and the Eagles are back in the Super Bowl. So history has repeated itself. Um, you know, we joke all the time about how like these two teams are the same, but you know, when you're presented with as much evidence as we've gotten over the years, it, it kind of becomes hard to deny it. Yeah. And it's kind of funny too, because I, I saw another thing that, you know, kind of time travel, they're like, Oh, the golden state warriors won basketball in 2017, 2018. And then they won this past season. And yeah. the same thing happened for uh, what was the team? Uh, was it, oh the Houston Astros? They did it and had that five mm-hmm. year gap. So yeah. they're like, oh, are the Eagles going to do that too? Like that would be really awesome, just because it works out for us. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it'd be really awesome to see so. all the teams do that, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's funny. It's funny to joke about, but you know, like I'm I'm not above like superstitious beliefs when it comes to my teams, man, like whatever it takes. Yeah. So I think we <laughs> should uh, get to men's volleyball because they've been crushing it. Uh, they yes, beat let's. top 10 USC and then number two UCLA, they beat at home. So Penn state has moved up to number three in the volleyball ranking. So first give me your thoughts on Penn state men's volleyball. And then we are going to move on to Andrew birds superstitions for the birds in the super bowl. <laughs> I mean, we want to hear about uh, well, your superstitions oh well y- you got it i because i got something for you um but no beating ucla awesome like uh who because who was the team that they lost to that was also in the top five a couple weeks ago that was long uh, beach like state four. right so you know it just like penn state they're not a pretender you know they're up there in the top five they deserve to be in the top five they're beating you know top two teams and stuff like that so i think they're really primed uh, to make a deep run in the tournament this year. Um, this is probably the 
best men's team that they've put together since they won the national title. I think it was back in like 2008. So, you know, I think Penn State men's volleyball is like perfectly set up uh, for success the rest of the season. Obviously, they've got the confidence to go out and compete with the best of the best of the best, and they know that they can beat them. So that's a that's a winning recipe in my book. Yeah. And you think of the volleyball school as being out in the West Coast and sunny California, yeah. but, uh, you know, we, we play uh, some pretty good volleyball in PA, too. Yeah. The Big Ten is like insanely loaded at volleyball, you know, <laughs> for being yeah. like mainly located in like the Northeast. We're really, really good at volleyball. And that just goes to support my argument for why Pennsylvania is the best sports state. Like, I think with our versatility and range, like, you know, in the Midwest, they're like in Northeast, it's just like hockey, hockey, hockey. And then in the South, it's like football. And then in the West, it's like you know, water yeah, polo. And, yeah. and I'm just laughing. Like, I feel the, like we're a mix where we're kind of good at everything. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the description of like with our versatility and range. You're speaking about us as like sports fans in the same way that you'd like talk about like a stretch forward or something. But I, I love it so much. Yeah, we, we always, always got sports on the mind. So, yeah, I think it's that's uh, extremely aptly put. But uh, yeah, so you want to you want to talk superstitions? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you go first. All right. What are your so, superstitions for the Super Bowl? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to watch the game in my living room um, where I've watched the previous two uh, playoff games because, you know, like we've watched plenty of Penn State games in the same location, like at my house. Um, and like, even in like the stadium or whatever, like we are firm believers that you like, like when something's working, you stay in the same spot. So I'm taking that same belief there. And also, I mean, what's funny is that, you know, like people have been asking me either from like work or from tennis or whatever. And they're like, Oh, are you going to go to a bar or something? And I'm like, eh, no, I'm just going to stay home. And they're like, well, why? Well, don't you like want to be with people? And I'm like, well, to be quite honest in everybody's best interest, including my own, it's probably <laughs> the best situation <laughs> if I'm able to just lose my mind in my own living room because like yeah. I'm gonna be pacing, I'm going to be jumping, I'm going to be yelling, like just need to do it in a safe environment. So that's number one. <laughs> number two, I have worn, I have worn the same shirt for the past two games. I got a new uh, Eagles long sleeve shirt that I have worn uh, that I wore for the Giants game and that I wore for the 49ers game. So you best believe that I'm going to be um, wearing the same shirt for this, for this game. Like there's no way in hell that I'm going to be wearing anything else. Like, so, you know, that's, that's number two, um, number three. And I, I don't know if you can like see it in here cause I'm like facing them, but I have an led light strip that's, uh, in my office that just like lines the wall to just provide like a little bit of ambiance. And I know I told you this story of, um, how my old roommate had his led light strip that turned green on the day of the Super Bowl, and he couldn't change it. So on the day of the Super Bowl, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it on my screen, but now now the room is uh, highlighted in green. So I'm going to the, – the lights are changing to green. So I'm getting, like, all the vibes, like, right for the game. I'm going to do everything in my power to try and help the Eagles uh, secure that victory. So that's everything off of my plate. Um, you know, going to be, um, you know, just like the smaller things. Like I consumed alcohol during the previous two games, so I'm obviously going to be consuming alcohol again. <laughs> but, uh, Vince, what about you? What are you going to be doing? So it is kind of different from the past. So in the Eagles Super Bowl run in the 2017, 2018 season, um, lining Kugel snowdrift vanilla Porter. That was the drink I had. 
So that was the superstition I had. However, this postseason has been very different. So for the Giants game, um, Maggie and I went to Allen Street Grill and we happened to get a charcuterie board. So with charcuterie, we, we split a bottle of wine. So we, we did that. And then the Eagles just mopped up on the Giants. So that was good. So when the Eagles played the 49ers the following week, I was like, okay, uh, I think we need to do some charcuterie. So we had some like cheese and, and bread and honey. So we put, I, I put some of that together while, while I was watching the 49ers game. Same result. And also that day, um, that was the day I got my Nittany Blues wing tee t-shirt. So if you haven't seen it, definitely check out the merch store. It is very fresh. I was very happy with it. I wore that to the Penn State basketball game versus Michigan. And that was the last time Penn State won a basketball game. And they did it in dominating fashion against Michigan for the biggest win in program history over the Wolverines. So they did that. I wore that for the 49ers game afterwards. Uh, So those are a couple of my superstitions. I'm going to do a charcuterie board. I'm going to be wearing my Nittany Blues uh, wing t-shirt. And then on top of it, I got my Devonta Smith jersey. So, dude, I think everything that you said uh, makes complete sense. I think for a fellow believer in sports superstition, I think, you know, you got to You got to go with what you know. You got to go with the consistency and what has worked previously. And clearly that has been working. So I obviously think that you guys need to go and enjoy some nice uh, charcuterie. Uh, Maybe go split a bottle of wine or three. Uh, You know, I'm not going to tell you how to spend (laughs) your day and how you want to pace yourselves. But, you know, I just got to say that, uh, you know, the details about the charcuterie board, I think that's very Italian of you. And I think that's very on brand and I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a little known fact, I actually learned this on TikTok this week. So um, we talk a lot about Philadelphians and how the police department likes to grease the poles. And then uh, our fellow Philadelphia sports fans enjoy climbing those poles. So that, yes. that is actually a tradition that was brought over from Italian immigrants to South Philly. And, you know, I think they actually do that at the Italian market festival that they have down in Philly. And what they do is they, they grease a pole and at the top of the pole, they actually uh, have some cured meats and some cheeses. Like I think they have some mozzarella up there. So you actually climb the grease pole and you try to grab like some mozzarella or a cured meat and, and grab it and take it down with you. So, um, that was actually a tradition that was brought over by Italian immigrants and uh, it integrated its way into its sports culture somehow. So, you know, you got to thank the Italians for the Philadelphians climbing the the poles in the streets. <laughs> That's actually awesome. So, yeah, just uh, Philadelphia being uh, quite a melting pot of different cultures and uh, and traditions and stuff like that. Look at us. Yes, uh, Italians are the best, uh, you know. Nothing better than being Italian. And speaking of Italian <laughs> well, guys, a... Sirianni, we got Nick Sirianni uh, coaching us yeah. in our Super Bowl. So good vibes all around. They're going to grease the pools. They're going to put some cured meats, some mozzarella at top, and we're, we're going to be good to go. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. how, how are you feeling? Are you anxious? Are you just generally excited? Like, are you confident? Like, uh, how do you feel? Definitely very nervous just because, you know, you're going against Patrick Mahomes, who he's the the best quarterback of this decade. So um, he he makes me very nervous that he's just going to be able to put up a lot of points. And, you know, the Jonathan Gannon defense isn't going to be able to stop him. 
Uh, they do have Andy Reid, who is one of the best offensive minds in, in football history. So I'm sure he knows that the Eagles pass rush is very good. And I think he's going to work his offense around that. And we've seen elite quarterbacks in the past do really well against the Jonathan Gannon defense. And they just dip, dip and dunk their way up the field with a bunch of five yard passes and until they're in the end zone. And I think that could uh, give the Eagles some fits if they're unable to get off of the field and the chiefs are able to put up points and um, their defense, I think is a little underrated. Their pass rush is, is pretty good too. And they were uh second in the NFL in sacks behind the Eagles. So they have a very solid pass rush. Um, I do hope that the Eagles can get the run game going. Uh, sometimes they've been successful with it. Sometimes they've struggled. So um, it's kind of a game where I could see, see it going either way, but I do feel good about Jalen hurts and his ability to score on this chiefs defense. I don't think it's going to be as good as the 49ers. And I think they're able going to put up a lot of points. However, the chiefs are going to put up a lot of points too. And I think it's just going to come down to, uh, you know, which team can get in the forties to, to win the game. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, completely agree with you. I love having Jalen at the helm for this game. I think that they are going to have some success offensively. I think that this game overall is going to be one in the trenches because, you know, that pass rush has to get there. That's the best part of the defense. They have to get to Mahomes. They can't lose contain on him, um, especially, you know, if he's still going to be feeling the effects of that high ankle sprain. Like they can't let him go out and do his wizardry like he's enjoyed doing against, you know, pretty much every team in the league so far. So they got to get that going. And I think, you know, offensively, the line just has to be the line, you know, um, obviously, like you said, this uh, pass rush for the chiefs is pretty good. They're talented. They get after the quarterback. So I think the line just needs to like really just show their best self and uh, really just establish dominance there. Like getting those uh, like those third and ones or those fourth and one situations, um, you know, just get a big old push and stuff like that, opening up those holes for Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell and stuff like that. Like we're going to go where the line takes us. So it's going to be one in the trenches. Um, you know, that said, I mean, I like the Eagles' chances in both of those things, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes is just always going to be a factor that is almost impossible to fully account for just because of how good and how, you know, just unique he is as a quarterback. So it's going to be an exciting game. Um, I'm, you know, I, I guess I'm more in the same boat as you. I'm, I'm nervous. You know, I'm optimistic, but I'm nervous. Like, you know, so I'm like guarded in that regard. So, you know, man, I, I at this yeah. point, I'm just like, I want the game to happen. Like, give me the game. <laughs> Exactly. And I, it's kind of weird because I, I didn't feel great going into the uh, Super Bowl against the Patriots. I'm like, oh, no way. Nick Foles just like knocks off Tom Brady, the most winning quarterback of all time. And right. there he goes. He, he does it against, uh, you know, the biggest team, the probably the most hated team in sport and on the biggest stage. So, um, you know, That's anything right. is possible. Uh, I do agree with you. We're going to go where, wherever the line takes us. And I do think that you brought up a really good point. And you know, those third and ones, fourth and ones, the, the cute, they can't get stopped again on a QB sneak. And I know, uh, Jason Kelsey and his brother, they, they sell the apparel, uh, from their podcast. And one of their, their hoodies says, uh, quarterback sneak. It's like 92% of the time, all the time. Like, <laughs> so it's, a uh, you know, the QB sneak, yeah. that's going to be the way to go. And I think you're going to see, uh, the, or the, the Eagles try to make some, uh, big fourth and one plays. Absolutely, man. So obviously a huge weekend coming up for Eagles fans and Nittany fans alike. So I think we all have something to be excited about, and I'm sure we're going to be texting each other quite a bit during the game. So looking forward to that. 
But if you would like to support the podcast, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you've enjoyed the Nittany Blues podcast, please leave us a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. If you're interested in new episodes, you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time, and go Birds!